0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me for another Now What Wednesday. It's Jessica Stevens here, your host. Hope you are having a wonderful day. Today on the show, we are going to be unpacking some stuff as it relates to friendships. So today's episode is I Just Broke Up With My Best Friend, Now what? And this is a story I can completely relate to and have personally experienced, as I'm sure many of you out there. Women relationships are the best and can be the most challenging to navigate, and I'm so grateful for our guest today who's coming on to talk all about this. Jessica Spear is the award-winning author of BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships, as well as Middle School Safety Goggles Advised, which just got released in August 2020. Her interactive books engage and entertain readers by combining stories with fun activities like quizzes, fill-in-the-blanks, also blends humor and a dash of science and practical insights. Her writing unpacks really tricky social stuff. She has a master's degree in social science, is regularly featured in and contributes to media outlets on topics relating to parenting and friendship. I am so grateful for Jessica for joining me today. This is a topic that I think will resonate with so many of you parents who have girls and are navigating those challenging years of friendship, but also as us adult women, adult women relationships can be the most amazing, but yet the most challenging at times as well. I know that from personal experience. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question now what hey friend did you just think to yourself I just love this podcast now what well I hope you do and if you did I got the answer become a patron and support the show For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests, behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today.
1: Well, good morning, Jess. Good morning. It's so great to be here with you.
0: You too. I'm always, a, first off, so excited to talk to a named twin, right? Yes. As Jessica, as we're special people. But I have been wanting to have this subject matter and topic on the show for quite a while. And so I'm so grateful that you and I connected and this was the topic that you really wanted to cover because it's an important one for... All of us, because I'm sure every single person who is listening has gone through losing or
1: ending a really important friendship in their life. It is, it's so, it's more common than we think, and it's always tricky. Um, You know, it just hurts when we lose a relationship that's really close to us. So yeah, let's dig into that because there's a lot to it. Yeah. Before we
0: do that, I want you to share a little bit about yourself with the audience. Obviously, I read your bio not too long ago to them, but I always love guests to kind of Share a little bit about themselves in their own words. What do you want the people to know about you, Jess?
1: Sure. And okay, so my name is Jessica Spear, and I, at this stage in my life, am writing—believe it or not—preteen and teen books on social emotional topics. Because I feel like you know, when when relationships really start to get t- tricky, it's in those years, those preteen teen years. So that's what I'm really focusing on right now. I've got a master's degree in social sciences, and I love to dig into the tricky, juicy awkward stuff that goes into having healthy and happy relationships. And so I blog about that. I write books about that. And yeah, pretty much just throw all my energy that way.
0: And it's probably because you've lived through that yourself personally. You as an adult woman, I'm sure you've had a few friendships that have ended over the years, but you also are a mom of teenage daughters. So you're going to be kind of sharing this story of, I just, you know, lost my best friend or just ended my friendship from your own personal experience, but also from
1: the viewpoint of being a mom. Exactly. Yep. I have two teenage daughters and I've also run some friendship bro- programs for kids and spent a lot of time in school. So yeah, I've got the perspective of yeah, looking at friendships from all ages. All right. So why
0: don't we start with maybe a personal story? So can you take us back to a time in your life when you actually ended a relationship with a really good friend and what happened and how did that go?
1: yeah until i'm going to go back to earlier years let's go back to middle school because I think that's where things start to get really complicated and possibly why i'm writing for that age group right now so. In middle school, there's this huge shift that happens in our lives. You know, we have these elementary school friends, but all of a sudden so much in our lives are changing, our bodies are changing, our interests are changing. We get middle school and there tends to be a big shakeup, which we all remember. Groups change, people change, friendships change. We remember that time frame, and I remember being in the middle of that shift and feeling kind of like a flag flapping in the wind, like not having some ground beneath me, not knowing how to navigate these things in a really you know healthy, honest way. And so I did a very typical middle school thing, and I think I started to, you know, in today's terms, we be more Ghosting or ditching people, and you're basically what I was trying to do is, you know, put some energy into the relationships I wanted to grow and let others go away. But without those skills, you know, it gets messy, and therein lies the, the definition of middle school, right there. So I write about that for kids because I feel like a lot of it is we don't have the skills, especially when we're 11, 12 years old, how to navigate these things gracefully. And then I find, you know, fast forward it doesn't get all that much easier as adults (laughs) so so it actually gets more complicated it's more complicated so yeah so i'm i'm perpetually fascinated with this also not only for myself to learn how to do this better knowing that relationships do change over the Mm -hmm. course of our lives so how can we manage this gracefully but being the mom of two girls trying to Figure this out with them too, so they can also have really meaningful relationships in their lives, but also know sometimes things change and it's okay to let go of those relationships that are no longer bring us joy.
0: Yeah. Do you remember like something specific that happened between you and a friend way back in middle school that kind of had triggered this like feeling of, oh, I don't think I want to be friends with this person anymore? Or was it reverse? Did something happen and somebody ghosted you?
1: yeah you know what i'm it's so funny i'm sure i was ghosted but i think we often remember the times that we feel like we maybe weren't acting with the most integrity you know so it's funny that those are the things that stick with us longer for me anyway is so i remember just personality shifting and realizing maybe that a friendship i had my early childhood just wasn't a good fit anymore you know like our personalities were so different our interests were so different and i just didn't want to be in that anymore and didn't know how to handle exiting that and you know for kids it's hard because you are locked into the same school and sometimes the same classroom maybe even the same friend group so no wonder this is so tricky you know and that you can fast forward that to adulthood you know maybe you work in the same building maybe you share an office so how do you manage that we can talk about that that's a complicated thing to do
0: all right so let's just dig in let's talk about some of the things that can help people, break up with friends in a little bit of an easier way that doesn't leave everyone just feeling like a total asshole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And of course it's going to depend on the relationship. So how close is the relationship? How long term is the relationship? If it's very much at the beginning, that's a little bit easier, you know, to kind of gently exit that relationship because you didn't really fully enter that relationship. So, you know, there you simply might just start kindly declining invitations and things like that. But, you know, let's talk about a relationship that was really close. So a really close friendship. So what do you do there? The first thing I think is to just recognize something that I call a friendship truth. So I. In my books, I write about friendship truths and friendship truth number, let's see, three is friendships have different phases. And change over time. So sometimes, you know, we get to the situation and we feel like, hey, we're a bad person or they're a bad person. But really what's happening here is it's time for a shift. Friendships like everything have seasons. We remember our, maybe our college friendships and our high school friendships and some friendships carry through, but others, they just served a purpose for a phase in our lives. And then that phase is over. So, you know, not putting any shame or blame on yourself or the other person, but realizing it just might be the time for this friendship to end. And then I think it's also helpful to remember that even if there's something that person is doing that you really dislike, or maybe there's been a breach in trust or something is to just to keep it about you. So if you feel like you need to shift out of this relationship, it's really, it's your choice and it's, it's about something that your needs that are not being met. So keep it about you. So I think once we stay out of a place of like blame and criticism, we're in a better place to maybe have that, that hard conversation. So realize that maybe, Hey, I'm not in a place right now where this friendship is going to work. because of X, Y, Z, you know, and I always encourage people to be as gentle as possible in those conversations, you know, keep it about you, find the right time. And sometimes, you know, it's best maybe even just to let those phase out. If that's possible, there's been studies done on this and the majority of friendships fade away. Sometimes we have to have that really hard friend breakup conversation, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we can just start slowly, gracefully, backing out of those. And what research has found there is when we do that, it opens the door to maybe someday in the future, we never know, maybe 10, 20 years down the road, maybe, believe it or not, you reconnect, you just never know. Yeah, that was a long answer to your question. But there's lots of different directions we could take this. So um, let's use your daughters as an example
0: of like real life scenarios. You know, as a mom, you've witnessed your daughter's maybe have a uh, fight or something with a friend what
1: happened who you know it's funny i'm not a like a i guess I, i'm not much of a fighter and they're not either not that that's something we shouldn't work on you know, but we're pretty gentle people but what i've noticed for them is more feeling a disconnect sometimes you know maybe mm-hmm. a relationship has changed and there's a disconnect and they just don't really want to spend a lot of time with somebody anymore. So what I found is sometimes they have that tough conversation and it doesn't go well. And then it actually makes the situation work. So really, honestly, I see that happen a lot amongst preteens is that you know they try to have the conversation it doesn't go very well at all so what i would say in the early teen in the teen years is sometimes there's so much change going on that just like again gracefully declining gracefully creating some space is the best way to go because groups are so intertwined at that age so you know I, there's one situation i've seen with a daughter of mine where one of their friends in their friend group is really trying to like break up with another friend in the friend group, but it's not even possible because it's they're in a group. You know, so therefore what would need to happen is the group would need to split in two, and the group does not at all want to split in two. So somehow these two girls are learning how to navigate each other in the group. And what a skill that is. We sometimes have to do that in real life, you know? So, mm-hmm. so we're part of this group. Maybe we don't like everybody the same because that just never happens. So how do we navigate this group, you know, being kind to our boundaries, being kind and respectful to this other person, but it's tricky. It's really complicated.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it, I guess the larger the group, yes. or the more people involved too, the harder it gets, because then there's this whole, oh, we want to do this thing, but we know so-and-so and and -and so-and-so they're not talking right now. So who do we invite? Who do we not invite? And it just makes things really, really stressful for everybody involved. Um, So my personal story. So I, I got married a little bit later in life. I got married after 30, which I guess now is more normal, but that's definitely a little late in some people's eye group, but what I, liked about getting married later was I truly believed like my friends at that point, we were locked. We were like loaded. And I had a a group of bridesmaids. And what was really interesting is after getting married, a lot of those friendships with people who I truly thought were like in my life forever, right? We're no longer friends. I only have I had four bridesmaids and my sister was my maid of honor. And of those four bridesmaids, I'm actually only friends with one. And I haven't even been married for 10 years yet. So fairly quickly after getting married, those friendships actually started dissolving pretty quickly. And it's hard, especially as an adult to think that these friends who you've been friends with either from like high school or university days or whatnot are like your people. Yes, yes. And then what happens when life changes or circumstances changes or like somebody gets married and the, and how the friendship dynamic shifts and these relationships kind of just start
1: falling apart. Yeah. And it's really easy for people to beat up on ourselves. It's like, what kind of person am I? I'm such a bad friend. This person was such a part of my life. What is wrong with me? But again, it's so easy to fall into that trap when really what's happening is the nature of friendships is changed. You know, there's been studies done that, you know, the typical friendships may last seven years. You know, of course, that's an average. Some might last 70, some might last seven months. But on average, every seven years, we're kind of shifting in and out of relationships. So what I want to help people do is change this mindset that, you know, no, it's not easy or comfortable, but it's so common that friendships change and so to give ourselves the grace to move out of relationships or let them fade away and to give others that same grace too. So if we've noticed that somebody has pulled back from us, let that be, Mm -hmm. let that be okay. Everybody's got different needs. Everybody's got different things going on in their lives. So I think, you know, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and our relationships where if we could just take a step back and really enjoy the relationships that we got, do our best, just not put so many expectations on all of these.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's a, this, I think me, the media right now and social media and society puts a lot of emphasis on this idea of best friends. BFF, right? Like best friends forever. Yep. Is like that tagline that kind of came out, you know, probably about 15 years ago with some celebrity friends. And it really put this idea that these relationships were going to be amazing and they were always going to stay. And it infiltrated the mindset of a whole generation of young girls specifically, yep. that if they did not remain friends with certain people forever, there was something wrong with them. Or if oh. they looked at other groups of friends or saw other people in their life who were still like besties with their your, with the girl from kindergarten, and they're looking at their own life, I'm like, I don't talk to anyone from- before college. Like I don't have any relationship with any of those people that I knew before I was 20. Does that make me like a bad person? Like, am I not good at friendships? Am I a bad friend? I think there's so much pressure put on young girls specifically about having a best friend and needing to create that perfect relationship where you guys never fight and everything's good and you travel together and you like the same things and all the stuff and it really puts a lot of expectation on friendships right now of living up to this totally unrealistic ideal and
1: standard of what friendships are oh you're so right i'm so glad you brought up that term BFF. I mean, so that's actually the title of my first book is BFF or NRF. I made that up. Not really friends. So it's BFF or NRF, not really friends, a girl's guide to happy friendships. And in that book, I just wanted to dispel all these myths. So that's where I started talking about these friendship truths. Like I mentioned earlier, friendships have different phases and change over time. You know, that close friends are hard to find all these things that we kind of learn over the course of our lives, you know, through experience. They're not at the forefront. We tend to, again, slide back into this whole BFF notion and these concepts that aren't really true to everybody's lives and experiences. And the truth is everybody handles friendship a little differently. There are those people that kind of through the course of their lives, they just keep gathering friends. It's a style. It's a minority of the style. The majority style is that you know we're a little more selective and we might have a smaller group with closer ties to that smaller group. But even in that group, there's changes over time. So there's even different ways that we navigate life and our friendships. And it sounds like that's a little bit your style is maybe you you might have a tighter group of close friends that change over the course of your lives. And that's really common.
0: Yeah, I think, do you remember that kind of phrase? Like you have relationships with people either for a reason, a season or a lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? So the reason that you're in a relationship with this person is maybe it's proximity. Like you work together and therefore you were, you have this work friendship because you literally sit across the, do- the desk and they're the person you say good morning to every day, or that you go to the coffee place and have lunch together. And so you form this relationship. There's a reason why is because you work physically together Yeah. or seasonal relationships is, Hey, these, these were the people that I was friends with when I lived in this city, when I went to this school and then mm-hmm. I left or they left and then physical distance, was really kind of the drifter or the reason for that relationship, not to stay as active as it was. But then there's also this lifetime friendship concept. Then that's the one that I think is the most dangerous.
1: Mm -hmm. It is, you know, and and, then the drivers for relationships to last are shared interests and shared experiences. And sometimes our interests change. Sometimes even our experiences change. We might become a parent and all of a sudden, you know, our friendships shift because as some of us may have known, it's sometimes it's really hard to have little kids and your best friend doesn't have little kids. And that's a big shift in that relationship. So yeah, exactly. It's shared interests, it's shared experiences. And of course those change over time. And sometimes when these long-term relationships, they keep shifting in the same direction. You know, there is one really interesting study that was done you know, There's a lot of teens struggling right now because of the pandemic. So they, they didn't have the chance to really develop close friendships. They didn't know where their friendships stood in the pandemic. And what they found is that if one of the teens is experiencing depression and anxiety, it's more likely that the friendship is going to persist if their friend is also experiencing that. But if one friend is not experiencing depression, and anxiety, and one is that even that different experience is going to make that a harder friendship to sustain. And that, of course, could carry through adulthood too. If one friend is really struggling with, you know, something like anxiety and another friend is not, sometimes that puts a lot of pressure on that friendship. And it's good for maybe the friend experiencing anxiety to find some support there, find a friend there, you know, in addition to a therapist to help them work through that so they have that shared experience to work together.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think relationships especially women, especially girls, it is either the, one of the best relationships of your life, or it is, could be one of the most turbulent relationships in your Mm. life. Why do you think that is, what is it about women and girls that this friendship story plays such a huge part of their personalities?
1: You know, as women, we tend to get closer and deeper. We we open up more vulnerabilities about ourselves. We share more about ourselves. So for women women friendships and girl friendships, they can actually be really amazing and such a healing thing. I mean, and I'm not being like gender stereotypical here. You know, when we actually look at male friendships, what they tend to do, it's like side-by-side friendships. They're biking or they're hiking and they're they're doing some sort of activity together for their friendship. For women, what we really do is we open up and we share our deepest selves with our friends. So we're looking for a lot more understanding and connection and support. And that's such a beautiful thing. I think of my closest friends, I'm like, ah, what would I do without them? They're my sounding boards. They're my cheerleaders. They're the ones that I go to when I'm struggling. So it's such a valuable thing for women. But I think because that, because they're so vulnerable and sometimes expectations differ between friends. One friend might expect one thing, like they need to hear from their friend every single week, where one friend that might feel too overwhelming. So just differences in expectations for those friendships can start to cause some rifts between women and girls.
0: Yeah. And then there's always the drama element of somebody overreacting or saying something or taking something out of context.
1: Yes. Um, Because
0: female relationships or women relationships tend to be
1: highly emotionally charged mm-hmm very much so and we tend to share a lot about ourselves but we also might share a lot about other people what I notice in groups of women and girls there's a fair amount of gossip and that can get really toxic sometimes you know I work a lot with middle school kids and that is that can get so toxic so you know once a story gets started and then of course it gets mutated as the story changes and it gets back to the person involved that can be so toxic on friendships and groups so now is it adult woman, I am so careful now with what I say. I try even, you know, with my closest friends as much as possible to really watch when, you know, there's, there's certain gossip that might just be sharing actually good news and great things about people. But then there's a gossip that crosses the line into toxic. That's really judgmental, really one-sided, maybe making assumptions about this person. And, you know, I think it's really important for friendship groups to as much as possible, stay away from that because that, that can really be so, so harmful to friendships and groups. Once we start doing that, we start really assigning criticisms and judgments against people that, you know, are in our circle, it gets ugly pretty fast. And women, we go there. I mean, I, I listen to these things on, you know, on the soccer field, on the sidelines and cheering on kids. I can hear some of these conversations. And yeah, it's, it's not even modeling great stuff for our kids either. We're kind of showing them, you know, how we communicate with others.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it makes me think about even in like professional relationships and working relationships and something that somebody might think is like, oh, I'm going to share this with this person as a way for us to get closer by talking about, you know, something else, some other situation that happened, maybe there was another person involved, but I'm going to divulge this with you and have a little bit of a secret. Some people think that that forms a tighter bond with an individual, but in fact, that actually breaks trust, because even though they might like eat it up with a spoon, like, oh my gosh, this person just shared, you know, this juicy piece of gossip with me. They must really trust me to share this with them. The trust is actually broken because subconsciously that person who received that news might start thinking like, oh my gosh, if they just told me that about so-and-so, what are they telling other people about me? Exactly.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it makes you wonder. I'm like, Hmm, this doesn't feel as safe anymore with this person. And, you know, and where it gets tricky is sometimes we have really complex situations where we need to really talk it through with somebody. So that's hard. You know, I know for myself sometimes as I, I need to really talk through this complex dynamic, maybe with a person, with a friend. And so how do we have those conversations in a way, that just you know keeps privacy. You know, maybe we'd never mention the person's name. Maybe we which is hard because circles are so intertwined. But how how do we really kind of vent, because by saying things out loud what we're doing we're processing we're starting to get clarity in our head you know so we can either journal that we can either keep journaling and journaling or we can speak those things out loud because by putting words to some of our experiences and what's going on inside of us we start to get clarity so there is there's some need for us to be able to talk things through but we have to figure out a way to talk things through in a way that still this other person maintains their dignity and respect. Because what we share with this person, they're never gonna be able to forget. So we might disclose something about somebody else that they're gonna wish they never knew that about that person. You know, So we just by planting that little seed, we've actually changed the dynamics between other people outside yeah, of ourselves. Yeah, we've changed <laughs> their relationships. So navigating that so, so very carefully, there's another way for you to process and vent that either, you know, with a therapist or with a journal or somehow confidentially, you know, with your spouse or something like that, you know, so figuring out a way to do that, that doesn't keep churning it, that then has a ripple effect outside of you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What else, what else do you have on that list that you want to share with people about how to kind of navigate breaking up with a bestie?
1: Yeah, well, okay. So let me share some, a couple of the friendship truths, because I feel like, you know, they're super helpful as we navigate this whole dynamic. Okay, so friendship truth number one is our healthiest friendships feel safe and accepting. So I think we even as adults can be aware of just realizing the friendships that we have that Are really special because those don't come around all the time we tend to have a couple and how lucky we are if we have some friendships that feel really really safe and really really accepting so you know just remembering that not every friendship is going to feel like that and that's perfectly fine you know we kind of choose to maybe put our energy into those ones that are more safe and more accepting number two is everyone develops friendship skills at a different pace and what i like to do is talk about like friendships as a ton of skills. We think about what goes into friendship. So we already talked about trust. We talked about managing our emotions. We talked about communicating effectively. So there's a lot that goes into this and we're all learning these skills at a different pace. So I feel like, Sometimes friendships get hard because maybe we have a skill that our friend doesn't, or our friend has a skill that we doesn't. And those two are coming into conflict with each other. Maybe they're not a great communicator and maybe we, you know, maybe struggle with some jealousy or something like that. So some of these things, you know, lack differences in skills might cause some friendship struggles right there. I've already talked about friendship truth. Number three, friendships have different phases and change over time. And friendship truth number four is close friendships, can be hard to find. I think that's really important for us just to remember, you know, we're not going to connect with everybody at the same level. And that's okay. You know, at the, I call, I have the friendship pyramid at the very tippy top of that friendship pyramid, are close friends, and there's just a couple people and family members there. But the vast majority of our friends are what I put in the friend bucket. And it's kind of the middle section of the pyramid, really large. And these are our neighbors and our teammates and our coworkers. And there's a lot lot of differences in levels of closeness there. And that's okay. Those friendships are still valuable, even though we might not share deeper parts of ourselves, we might not see them very much, but you know, we consider them friends, even though it's a more casual light friendship. And so yeah, those are just a couple of the friendship truths that I think help guide when things get hard, when all of a sudden we're feeling like, ah, I'm not sure about this friendship, but just realizing oh, you know, a lot of friendships change over time and mistakes happen. And there's a lot of skills that go into this. So of course this might not feel like it's working out. So yeah, just keeping it pretty high level.
0: One of the friendship truths that I learned throughout my life is that friendships are not reciprocal in the same way to each person all the time. And I take this back to that whole concept of like best friend, right? Like this whole emphasis on who's your best friend? And if a little girl's like, oh, you know, Josie's my best friend because X, Y, Z, and all, like she listed all the reasons why this other girl happens to be her best friend. But if you went and talked to Josie and you asked her the same question and you said, who's your best friend? It doesn't mean she's actually going to say the girl who said
1: Josie was her best friend. It could be somebody else. Yes, and that's so funny you said that because there's research that backs that up too. It's pretty rare, you know, if scientists go ask a hundred people, you know, who their best friend is, it's pretty uncommon that those actually match up. Like you might name Joe as your best friend, but Joe actually named Steve as his best friend. And so, so we feel like we have this BFF situation when it actually might not be. You know, so I love that you just came to that on your own because that is so common and so true, and it just goes to show how fluid this is and how we're all experiencing different things, even in our relationships. Yeah. And that's why I think
0: me personally, it's so dangerous to put this label of best friend Mm -hmm. on another person and saying, oh, they're my best friend Yeah, because it's not necessarily reciprocal. So you might not be theirs. That might hurt your feelings like, oh, they're so important to me, but I'm less important to them. Yep. Right. Yep. And also this idea of giving somebody else the power to dictate how you feel. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, this is the craziest part about the relationships is that really the most important relationship anybody should have is with themselves. And so I always want to encourage women and girls to be their own best friend. Mm-hmm. Like who is the one person who is going to be with you for life mm-hmm. and that's you. Yes. It's not going to be anyone else. There are so many reasons why that might that other person could leave your life. They might pick up and move across the country. They may um, get married and now their number one person in their life is now their spouse. You know, children could get involved in that dynamic. So there's all these reasons why somebody may intentionally or unintentionally have to walk away from being in your life. Yes. The only person who will never do that is yourself.
1: Yes. And so I feel like the better friend we are to ourselves, we're going to be a better friend to others too. You know, if we know we need to take better care of ourselves, we need to put down a boundary. We need to, you know, all the things we do to take care of ourselves has a ripple effect on our friendships too. So I love that. Putting that as a priority number one is to be a good friend to ourselves. And then yeah. and then we learn how to be good friends to other people from that starting point. I love that.
0: And people can have many
1: friends, many good
0: friends, but just remove that very dangerous label of best.
1: Mm-hmm. because that,
0: When you say best, that puts somebody on a pedestal above others.
1: Yes. And yep. no
0: one person can actually fulfill you In all of the needs of your life, some people might have different friend groups that they tap into for different needs. I have a social friend group where they are all very outgoing and we go and physically do fun things. But I have another friend group who are emotionally intelligent and we can tap into each other's feelings and we're all empaths and we all feel the feels for each other. But I use those different groups for different needs of my life, but I'm not going to be able to say one group is actually
1: they're better friends to me than the other. Yep. Yeah, we don't have to label things. And I try to avoid that labeling too. I mean, there's really no need to label it. We know inside ourselves, oh, this is my go-to person for this or this, you know, so we don't have to put labels on everything, you know, and that then allows those relationships to breathe and just to be what they are in our lives. And change and morph without the falling from
0: grace if they are no longer the number one numero uno. Right. It's okay if they've slid down the scale a little bit and somebody else has kind of been there for you. In a season when you needed that kind of a friend. Yep. There's yep. like this sliding scale opportunity and rotation and people's different strengths and weaknesses come in when you need them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my number one lesson that I learned as an adult is just have many friends and have many different kinds of
1: friends, but you are your best friend. Yeah yeah I love that that is such a good one good excellent good and well I hopefully we, I'm hoping that this conversation has helped to guide some people because there is a lot to this but I love that kind of what we're circling around is give yourself the grace give other people the grace know that this is complicated we're all unique individuals we have different needs we have different expectations we're in different phases of our lives so you know let's be a lot less hard on ourselves and let's be less hard on our friends too, and let things just flow as they naturally do in the life cycle of relationships.
0: Yeah. What do you say, or what would be your tip for helping people maintain and keep strong relationships with people? Obviously, relationships take work, right? And you have to invest in them. So for a relationship that's really important to somebody out there, what would be the best things for them to do to keep that as a healthy relationship? And not just like, oh, you know, have that person be this kind of a friend. What are your tips for people to maintain healthy relationships with important people in their life?
1: Yeah. And so I think first, it's it's important to remember just how much of an impact relationships have on our own physical well-being, not only our like our mental health, but relationships matter. They've done studies, especially as we get older in life. It's really important to have a network of people in your lives that you're connected with. Make sure you try to do that. And sometimes we get so busy, maybe we've got young kids or we're working so hard. But little things just to just to keep those relationships alive. It might be a simple text, hey I just want you to know I'm thinking about you this summer is a little crazy but I you're on my mind and let's figure out a time to connect in a few weeks or you're know, so just little tiny things that you know we sometimes think we have to do something big maybe we need to do a, a weekend getaway with this person or maybe we need to do a three-hour phone call if that's not in the cards something little just a, a little check-in a little you know note of appreciation for the people that are really important in our lives so we really do want to keep this person close so it doesn't have to be a lot. So again, taking the pressure off, you know, maybe just stopping after listening to this podcast, think about who is it that I so appreciate having in my life and sending him a quick text that could take 60 seconds, you know, and just shoot it off, just a little something. And how wonderful to be the recipient of that. There's no expectation. There's just, hey, I'm thinking about you. I so appreciate having you in my life. Send, And there you go. So yeah, again, keep it simple, keep reaching out, keep connecting with the people that really bring so much value to your life. What advice do you have for people who are trying to maintain a relationship with somebody who clearly does not want to have a relationship with them? Hmm. and if you're picking up those strong signals i would say it's time to maybe take a little step back or a big step you know depending how clear those signals are and realizing again we talked about friendships have seasons and if this person through their words or their behavior is asking for space, I think we owe them the space. We don't have to assume that this is forever because we never know, we truly never know. But if they are clearly needing some space let's honor that let's honor that and give them a little space and then think about okay which relationship which other relationship do i want to put some energy into or what can i do if i'm feeling like i need a new friend what can i do to maybe meet somebody new you know what are my interests where could i go to really connect with somebody that shares those interests so keeping that door open too
0: Love it. Love it. All right. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. We had a, definitely a different conversation. Normally we get into these deep personal stories about what happened when this thing happened and how you figured out to move forward from there. But I think it was still a great conversation and lessons from all of our own life experiences, mine and yours and your daughters that have culminated into this great conversation about relationships. So tell us about your books more because I know you mentioned the first one. What's the other one?
1: So then the other one is called Middle School Safety Goggles Advised, and this one dives deep into all the weird stuff that happens in middle school, the whole popularity thing. And now there's social media and there's gossip and drama and clicks. And so I just wanted to crack that wide open. So I spent a lot of time in seventh grade classrooms and really pulled the stories of kids to talk about those in a way that hopefully will be relatable and helpful to kids in middle school. So yeah, that one. And then I've got another one coming out next summer that is called the phone book. And it's a book about navigating cell phones, because you know, cell phones are all about relationships now too, we've got text groups, and we've got social media. And so helping preteens and teens navigate their phones, so they are navigating their relationships and their lives in healthy and safe ways.
0: Sounds like some adults
1: need that one too. I know, know. yeah, that's for sure. We're still trying to figure this whole thing out. These phones have taken over our lives and we're, I feel like we're at the beginning stage of like, okay, wait, how do we actually manage this? Yeah. What has been kind of something
0: that you've noticed from your own, I guess, school experience and friendships that is totally different than your daughter's experience and what's something that is. The same, even though it's been decades
1: apart, that you're like, oh, it was true for me and it's still true for them. Mm. You know what I've noticed? I'll start with the same. What I've noticed the same is. Because I think preteens and teens, there's so much change in their social world over the course of adolescence that I've noticed sometimes it can feel like they do not have a close friend. And when I'm working with kids, that's pretty common, It's but it's very unsettling. There might be a little shift in a friendship, and so that might not feel close anymore. There might be shifts in friendship groups. So that, and I've seen my daughters experience phases too, where they're like, oh, wait, who you know i have a group and i have friends but who is my close friend who's my person and and when there's that person isn't there it feels really unsettling and so for many kids, that's common. That happens at some point during the preteen and the teen years. So we've all been there. And so it's helped me relate to my girls because I so remember that. I remember like, oh yeah, I remember this period where it feels kind of scary and like the ground just shifted under your feet. So I remember that sameness. What's different, I think, is I feel like my kids are, and I feel like just this generation of kids is really socially aware, especially working with kids to write my books. I feel like, believe it or not, I think social media and a lot of YouTube videos and things like that are exploring emotional intelligence and social dynamics in ways that we didn't have access to when we were growing up. So no. I do feel like they they have a deeper sense of what's going on. It doesn't make it any easier, but they're very aware, I think, much more aware than I was of what's happening in their social worlds than I had when I was that age.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I always have said to people, I'm like, you couldn't pay me to be a teenager now with all of this social media stuff going on. (laughs) Um, I would hate to be in high school or like elementary school right now with all of this because when we were in school, none of that existed. Like if something happened and you were the topic of some sort of gossip or rumor mill that happened, it literally lasted a handful of days and then they were on to the next thing.
1: Yeah. Whereas now- Everything you do lives forever. Mm -hmm. And you could see it in real time. You know, if you weren't invited to something, you can actually see the party going on. So I feel bad for them too. I mean, I know there's, great pluses as far as connecting and finding your people online but i feel like they are really under the microscope so their images you know they want their images of themselves to look good cuz they're out there for everybody to see and share and yeah. so it's it i think there is a lot of pressure on preteens and teens today because you know once the school bell rings and they go home it's not over there's people are communicating and sharing all the time and we didn't have to deal with that at all awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Jessica Spear, for joining me on the episode
0: today. If you guys resonated with this episode at all, or somebody who could be struggling with some friendships themselves, please share this episode with them. And it just might help them figure out their own now what. So thank you, Jess, for joining me. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to our patrons. If you are a patron of the show, you definitely want to head over to the patron site because the conversation with Jess, and I are, is going to continue and I'm going to ask her a bonus question and you're definitely going to want to hear the answer to that so if you are not yet a patron make sure you go sign up be a patron of the show and you get to get all sorts of extra bonus content behind the scenes stuff and some really cool prizes okay that is it for me thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next week for another episode of I just blank now what